Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. It's great to have you with me. I want to dive right in in this podcast to a trend that's happening in our time that has to do with abortion. You know this is going to be controversial. (laughs) What's happening is that because we've had a conservative turn to the U.S. Supreme Court, many states are preparing for the possible overturn of the case that legalized abortion in America, Roe v. Wade, which occurred in 19. 1973. So many of the headlines in the last week or two have related to two states' activities in particular related to abortion and related to this expectation regarding the Supreme Court. So let's make sure we know what we're doing because our whole purpose here in this podcast is to make sure we understand trends, make sure we understand our times, particularly, of course, religious trends in our times, uh, and to understand what's shaping our world. So in 1973, the Supreme Court uh, basically overturned a bunch of state laws, about 35 state laws, um, that that restricted abortion or allowed for abortion or banned abortion in some way. Um, The court decided to hear the case, ruled in 1973, and what it decided, it's important for us to know what it decided, because uh, first of all, it did legalize abortion. It did find a constitutional right for abortion in a constitutional right to privacy. Now, it was questionable law in a lot of people's minds because um, one of the majority opinions said that this right to privacy was found in the emanations of the penumbras of the law. (laughs) You know, it sounded like they were looking for rights and wisps of smoke, given the language. And even those who agreed with the ruling decided that it was badly worded and uh, rooted badly in the law. But it did legalize. But what it did was it divided a pregnancy into trimesters, and it decided, it ruled, that there were different levels of compelling state interest, that's the standard lawyer's language, compelling state interest based on trimester. So in the first trimester, the state intrusion or state interest was not very deep, and so abortion should be treated only as a medical procedure, leaving the decision between a woman and her physician. In the second trimester, uh, the state's interest was a bit more firm, a bit more intrusive, and was involved to protecting the health of the mother. And finally, by the third trimester, uh, you really only had a compelling interest for, uh, I'm sorry, a compelling reason for abortion if uh, you were in a situation where a mother's life or her health was threatened. That was the only compelling reason for abortion. So while Roe v. Wade is often remembered as having legalized abortion, it actually restricted abortions based on trimesters. Now, Lots of experts today, lots of medical experts today say that there really is not much basis for separating pregnancies into trimesters, that this is questionable, it doesn't really fit the science. But lawyers and courts have to find some language for grappling with these amorphous matters, these medical matters. And so that's why we speak of pregnancies in terms of trimesters. It's just the language that we use in court. Well, what's happening now is because we had Kavanaugh and 
and Gorsuch added to the U.S. Supreme Court. And because, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in ill health, she's had cancer surgery in December and has not rejoined the court yet. Uh, I'm recording in the first week of February. The, the, the fact is that there's an expectation that Donald Trump will appoint yet another justice and turn the court even more conservative and thus more pro-life. So we're looking at a situation in which states, in anticipation of the court overturning Roe v. Wade, which I need to pause and say is a bit of a stretch, even conservative justices have said that they might not rule in that direction, that it would depend on the eccentricities of a given case, and that it might not be the way to go. But uh, states are anticipating this might happen. So you have two basic responses. Some states are tightening restrictions against abortion because the state leans more pro-life or more uh, anti-abortion, and therefore they want to be have laws in place should Roe v. Wade be overturned. For exactly the same reason, other states that are more pro-abortion um, are expanding abortion rights so that they have laws in place, again, should Roe v. Wade be overturned. Uh, this occurred this past month in January, exactly announced on January 20th. In the state of New York, because New York is quite a pro abortion state, because the legislature and the governor wanted to expand abortion rights, uh, they announced a dramatically uh, new law, a dramatic new law that uh, not only expanded who can do an abortion, it doesn't just have to be an MD and a specialist or an OBGYN, uh, it can be a nurse practitioner, uh, it can be a midwife, in fact, according to the law. Uh, also, uh, it also also removed abortion from the criminal code and placed it under the health code in New York, which removes prosecution for certain crimes and, and, and thus uh, removes the stigma of abortion that, that it is a crime in some cases and not a crime in others. So they clarified that a little bit, but it also allows abortion quite a bit later. Now, I need to say that the New York law, though it is an expansion of abortion rights and it is uh, horrible to those who are pro-life, and I am, uh, the fact is it is not inconsistent with the original provisions provisions of Roe v. Wade. Um, it is basically within, uh, under the umbrella of Roe v. Wade. So it had some dramatic changes. It was an expansion of the New York law, of previous New York law, but it was not that surprising. What was surprising was what happened happened this past couple of weeks uh, in the state I'm sitting in now, Virginia. Uh, in the Virginia legislature, a representative named Kathy Tran, an Asian American legislator, proposed a law that dramatically expanded and extended the time during which a woman can, woman can get an abortion. Uh, and it frankly led right up to the moment of birth. In fact, during the deliberations, a Republican legislator asked Kathy Tran, and this you can find this on YouTube, you can see this in the news, this was very widely um, publicized. He asked, could a woman about to give birth and actually dilating ask for an abortion at that moment under your law? And the answer from Representative Tran was yes. In fact, she said, yes, my law would allow for that. So understand what's happening here. You have such an expansion of the period during which an abortion can be sought, that literally a woman who is in the process of birth and dilating could turn to her doctor and say, 
I want an abortion, and the law would allow for it. Now, that's radical enough. That caused a great stir, as, by the way, I'm speaking again. I I don't mind you knowing my bias. Uh, I'm a person who's pro-life, and so um, I think this is a—I'm opposed to abortion other than when it threatens the life uh, uh, of—when carrying the child full-term threatens the life of a mother, which happens, by the way, in far less than 1% of the cases. Uh, So I think this law was— was was pretty horrid, and I'm surprised that it was even considered. You need to know that it was defeated. Uh, it has not passed in Virginia. It was actually defeated. But the fact is, it's a very radical thing even to have come to a vote. But again, what's happening is Virginia, some people in Virginia, are trying to prepare for the possible overthrow of Roe v. Wade. Now, what really sent this this whole discussion into a tizzy was that the, the Virginia governor, Ralph Northam, uh, commented on this proposed law. Now, he's a pediatrician, uh, he's a man with medical background, and he's supposed to be a moderate. But when he was speaking on a radio program, he was asked about this law, and he was specifically asked about what would happen uh, if a child was deformed in the womb, if a child perhaps was born um, with a birth defect that either was already known or suddenly was, was discovered at the moment of birth. And he said rather clumsily, I have the exact words here. He said, so in this particular example, if a mother is in labor, and again, this, the context was a deformed child, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Well, I mean, he's speaking as a pediatrician and a medical expert, but he wasn't very clear. What it sounds like he's saying, and I hope he wasn't, but he may have been, what it sounds like he's saying is that if a child is born in some way deformed, or some people use the word defected in some way, um, that a discussion could happen after birth as to whether the child ought to be allowed to live. Well, now we're not talking about abortion, we're talking about infanticide. And so that does that at least can be concluded from what he said. So now you not only have a Virginia law being considered, which allows abortion up to the last second, uh, literally while a mother is dilating and in the process of giving birth, but you also now have a governor saying that what would happen should the birth happen and the child be defective or be deformed or have any malady is that a discussion would happen between mother and doctors and the assumption that can be concluded Concluded from his words, or that many have concluded, and he, you know, who, who knows what he actually intended? I don't. Um, is that there then would be uh, a termination of that child? Well. This hit the airwaves and people went nuts. And some of the sweetest moments were when some da- when some Down's syndrome children. Actually, some of them were in college, uh, recorded videos, and they were actually quite moving and quite cute and quite fun uh, because they said, look, I'm not a defect. Uh, I'm about to finish a degree from a major college. I'm living a full life. One one said humorously, "If you think I'm proud of I'm being proud of myself, it's because I am." And had a great time with it. Um, but they were reacting to this assumption that they might have been terminated in an act of infanticide 
uh, having been discovered with Down syndrome at the time of birth, as the governor of Virginia had said. So you can imagine the stir. Now, let's keep our eyes on the ball here. There's a lot of emotion and a lot of misstatement. But the issue is that people are anticipating that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. That's an assumption, not a fact. But obviously, if Justice Ginsburg, Bader Ginsburg, uh, ends up being removed or passing away or decides to step down, then obviously Donald Trump will appoint another another justice in the mold of Gorsuch or Kavanaugh. And so you will have a conservative turning in the court of the court. That does not, of course, presuppose that you will have an overturn of Roe v. Wade. That requires case law to come forward, requires the court, the eccentricities of that case to, to fit a specific ruling. So we don't know. What we do know is that we're about to have a massive debate in this country again, all these years later after 1973, about abortion. Now, there's some good news from from this, and that is that part of what's going on here is that we are moving back to federalism. The founding fathers intended that certain things would be decided at the state level, not the federal level, and that you would have differences at the state level between each state. Now, you, you do have the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution that requires certain conditions in one state to be rec- recognized by all the others, marriage, for example. But you have many, many things that vary from state to state, and the founding fathers intended that. They thought that religion and religious liberties and religious provision would change from state to state. It wasn't a way late in our history that that was over, overruled by a Supreme Court ruling, Um There are differences in gun laws. There are differences in divorce laws. There are differences of of, of lots of types when it comes to the law. So the states do vary, and abortion ought to be one of the things that is decided at the state level. Some people hope for a constitutional amendment banning abortion. It's just not going to happen in our time. Uh, A slight majority of Americans believe that there ought to be restrictions on abortion or it ought to be banned, up to about 58%. But believe me, the majority majority of the country does not believe that there ought to be a banning of of abortion in a constitutional amendment. So the good news is we are moving back to a certain degree of federalism, which means that Alabama can be anti-abortion and New York can be pro-abortion and you'll have a patchwork throughout the states. It's not what either side wants, but it may be what results. And that is not a bad thing. That's a return to what the founding fathers intended on on these controversial moral issues, it probably is better to go state by state. The odd thing, and I have to be careful how I express what I'm about to say, the odd thing is that we are so dramatically wanting to expand abortion rights in some states. Uh, Between the benefits of birth control and the existence, and I'm not in favor of it, I'm just saying the existence of morning after pills it seems like abortion should almost be unnecessary. In other words, it's possible, and again, I'm not in favor of RU46 or the morning after pills um, because they they basically terminate a fertilized egg, which which is, in effect, an abortion. But nevertheless, speaking practically and and about what the situation is in the country, the fact that, that births can be prevented, it does seem like the number of abortions ought to be dropping, that they ought to be 
um, and again, I'm not advocating, but using uh, President Clinton's language, they ought to be safe, legal, and rare. Uh, Again, I'm not in favor of that, but you would think that given what we have, given the new medicine, given the new technologies, that we would see a drop in the number of abortions. Instead, some states are expanding abortion rights uh, as though we have a uh, an increased number of abortions. The fact is abortions uh, total are dropping in our country. You used to speak in terms of four to 5,000 uh, abortions a day in the United States. You're now down probably on average just under 2,000. I'm opposed to almost all of them unless some of them had to do with the mother's health. Um, but my point nevertheless is you are seeing a drop in the number of abortions. So why the need to expand rights? It's about a defense of rights. It's about a certain view of feminism. It's about what the court is doing. It's about opposing Donald Trump. So be prepared, be aware, watch what's going on in our society, uh, know what you believe, contend for it. Uh, I'm pro-life because I believe that the child in the womb is a human being and should be protected by law. Uh, I believe that that this is what is the best of the Western legal tradition. This is, for those of us who care about such matters, biblical, and uh, this is what is humane. We are not Rome. We do not expose unwanted children on the walls of the city. We do not throw them off of bridges. And so uh, the fact that uh, I believe a child uh, after conception should be protected as a matter of law and that only in the extreme and extremely rare case in which a mother's health is threatened uh, could doctors then legally make a decision to terminate a pregnancy. It hardly ever happens. Uh, The experts tell us that. But when it does, yes, Uh, we should decide in the favor of the mother. Rarely does that ever happen. So we can continue the debate. It's going to be hot in our country. Uh, I think we'll probably revert to a form of federalism, but it's important for us to know these trends and it's important for us to know why they are happening. We'll continue to see debates, but be prepared because, uh, and I hear I'm contending for my cause rather than just being objective and professorly, um, the fact is that there are strong right-to-die advocates. There are advocates who, frankly, are right up to the point of infanticide. Let's kill the children after birth who are not designated to be whole. Um, there are those who advocate abortion at any point during a pregnancy for any reason. And be careful also, because sometimes when language is used about the health of the mother, this doesn't just mean the physical health. This also means the psychological health. So it's a time for you to stand up for what you believe. It's a time to defend life. And it's a time for us to understand the times in which we live. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.